Naya Tapper is a USA Olympian rugby player who graduated from the University of North Carolina. Naya plays professional rugby for Team USA and has become the face of USA women's rugby. She will discuss her journey as a female rugby player and how she ended up starring in the 2020 Olympic Games. everyone. Welcome back to Lady Empire. I have such an amazing guest here with me today, Naya Tapper. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, everybody. And thank you so much for having me today. So I first just want to start with you telling us a little bit about your childhood and your upbringing, and if this sort of affected your career path at all. Mm -hmm. So I was born in Beaufort, South Carolina, and I didn't live there for very long. Um, my dad was in the military, so we moved around a lot. So from Beaufort, we moved to Texas, then New York, then Georgia. And then after my parents got a divorce, um, my mom moved us to Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, I think we moved to Charlotte because my brother was playing football at App State in North Carolina. So um my mom wanted to be as close to him as possible. So we ended up in Charlotte and that's kind of where I spent most of my life. Um, growing up very different from the kids nowadays. Like we were just always outside, like as much and as long as we could be outside, that's what we were doing. So for me, I was usually making mud pie, making mud pies or playing with other boys playing football. That was one of my favorite things to play, especially watching my brother um, play that for most of his life. Um, I was a very aggressive child. I had a lot of energy. And I think that's probably one of the things that allowed me to transfer over to rugby so easily. Because I know the contact aspect of the sport can scare people a lot. So me feeling like I always had that in me, it was something that I was ready to take on almost immediately. So that's awesome. And I want to talk a little bit about your time um, at the University of North Carolina. So tell us a little bit about this experience and how you sort of discovered women's rugby. I mean, you didn't play it growing up as a child, right? No. Right. So tell us yeah. a little bit about how you sort of came across wanting to play rugby and just your overall experience at UNC. Mm -hmm. Well, I had been involved in sports as early as I could. I think my main sport was track and field. I did that for the longest, and that was something that I was in love with the most. Um, at my high school, they had a rugby team, and that was kind of my first awareness of the sport and that it was actually real and that men and women were playing it. But because I was so committed to track and field, I, my coach didn't allow me to do it because he didn't want me to get injured which was understandable. And I didn't really know what I was missing out on. So it wasn't a big deal to accept that answer. Um, and then as I was getting ready for college, I decided I didn't really want to get like do track full time in college. I kind of just wanted to go to college, focus on academics and enjoy the social life. So that's the decision I made when I um, got accepted into UNC Chapel Hill. I kind of was like, okay, 
I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to worry about my schoolwork and go out, go out and make friends and have a good time and enjoy this next four years. Because I feel like I didn't get as much of that as I wanted to in high school because I was so committed to track. Mm-hmm. So after a while, I did start missing the team aspect. I did start missing the competitive aspect of sports because, as I said, I had been doing it for so long. So to just leave it so abruptly, I thought I could handle it. But over time, I realized that I was still missing something. And when I was walking through the quad at Chapel Hill, they had a tent for the UNC Women's Rugby Club tryouts. And I was like, you know, that would be fun. It's not as um, time commitment required. It's only on the weekends, a couple of days during the um, week for practice. And I can quit whenever I want. I want. So there was no stresses to it. It was just going to be something that was fun for me, a way to make friends um, and connect with the university. So I thought, why not? And then it kind of went from there. <laughs> That's amazing. And I want to talk about how it started to get a little bit more serious. Um so you started training with USA Rugby your senior year of college, is that right? Full-time, yes, my last semester. Okay, so talk, tell us a little bit about how um, college rugby sort of transpired into playing pro. How did you get connected into playing pro your senior year? Mm-hmm. So I got lucky that my coach actually worked for Team USA Rugby, I think, in the video analyst area. So my first two months of being on the club rugby team and um, having shown progress in trying a new sport and doing kind of good at it, he asked me, hey, why don't you go to this camp in California for professional rugby? But you'll have to make Thanksgiving. And I was like, ah, because, <laughs> again, I was just trying to do it for fun. and I didn't want to be a professional athlete. None of that was the plan. But he said, just try it. So I did. And I was actually offered a contract when I want to say I was 18 years old. But because I wanted to focus on academics and I had just got into school, I declined because I wanted to make sure I got my degree first before I even thought of the possibility of being a professional athlete. Um, So then after that, I came back and just kept playing with the girls, enjoying rugby, learning more rugby. And over time, I learned you could go to the Olympics for rugby and how um, real the professional rugby realm for women was. So my last semester, um, I went out for a camp and they offered me a contract again. And this is when I was, I want to say 20 and I accepted this time. So then with that, I had to move to California, move all my stuff to California, um, finish my last semester online and start training full-time. Wow, that's insane. So tell us a little bit about what the training is like for a professional female rugby player. I think a lot of us kind of have some different ideas about the training. So tell Mm -hmm. us about, you know, do you guys weight lift? What's the running like? Like, just walk us through a little bit about the training aspect. Mm -hmm. So we train Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So we do two days on, one day off, two days on, and then the weekend, which is lovely. <laughs> it's not like a regular job where you got to go in every day. Mm-hmm. Um, on the days that we do train, we're there for majority of the day. So from about 7 a.m. to, I want to say, 4 p.m. 
And throughout that time, we're eating, we're lifting weights, um, we're having team meetings, we're watching film, and we're also having probably one or two training sessions on the field. So, and the amount of work we have depends on the day. So the closer it is to an off day, the harder the training will be. So we do tons of running, probably about four miles at least a day of just like, yeah, running on the field, short bursts of sprints, longer runs, a lot of conditioning, up downs and things like that. Um, Skill work, whether it's passing, kicking, working on your tackle or your ruck. Um, They kind of designate days of like Tuesday's tackle day, Monday's attack, Thursday's defense. So you kind of know each week and each day what you're getting into. Um, And the nice thing about our schedule is that like after you have tournaments, you'll get a week off or like for Christmas, you'll get a month off for the summer, you'll get a month off. Like having these random times throughout the year where you get some free time to yourself is lovely because then you can use that time to detach and go on vacation do whatever you please. So it's not a bad gig. Yeah. And as you were explaining that, I played college softball. And so it kind of brought me back to training with that too. And it just caused me so much stress. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you can do that. I was so done with it by the end of my college career. I'm like, no more stress, please. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's talk about how you were let go from the team before the 2016 Olympics. So talk to us a little bit about that and why you kept going with the sport and how your training and mindset sort of changed after that. Um, So I came out to California January 2016 under Coach Jules, which was a woman. And eventually, well, she took me on my first tournament to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And I did pretty well out there for the minutes that I did play. So that was good for me. And then after a couple months, she ended up being replaced by another coach. Um, His name was Richie Walker. And when he came in, he felt that I was physically where I needed to be, but not skill wise, which is very understandable from when I did transition five years ago. a lot of, I wasn't really a rugby player when I transitioned. I was more of an athlete who was kind of playing rugby. Mm -hmm. So I think he recognized that and realized that I had the potential, but I needed a little more work in order to be at that level with those girls. And of course that's hard to hear then um, when you went through your whole life doing incredible in sports and never hearing that you weren't good enough. And then having moved all your stuff to the other side of the world where you have no family or friends, like making that big leap, even though you always told yourself, don't do, don't be a professional athlete. It's too temporary. And then you're in this situation you're like, dang, like, did I make the wrong decision? Mm-hmm. And it was definitely hard to hear right then. Um, and for me personally, I was ready to just be like, okay, you know, I tried, like, I'll just go back home, go to PT school, stick to my regular plan. And I called my mom and my dad and talked to them about it. And they're just like, you can't leave. And I was like, perfect. (laughs) Yeah, great. (laughs) Yeah, so I was like, okay. They just, 
where it's like, this is life and it's not always going to be as easy as it has been for you. You're going to have to work for something. So I had to accept that and take the advice that was given to me on the chin. And I worked really hard for the next four months, training early in the morning, coming home, going to sleep, then going to work for about eight hours and doing that over and over again for four months until um, after the 2016 Rio Olympics, I was brought back onto the team. So I think after that situation, I learned that life is not always going to be fair to you and it's not going to be easy all the time. There's going to be rough moments and you're going to have to be able to push yourself to get over those because if you don't do it, nobody will. Um, and I think for me, just learning not to get complacent with who I am because I was very okay with just being fast when I needed to be a lot more than that. So even today, still, I had days where I'm like, oh, I don't feel like doing that or I don't feel like wearing this. And then you just get another click of, well, you do need to because you learned your lesson back then. So just follow through with it. Yeah. And that's so good that you have such a strong support system as well. I think a lot of athletes that kind of drop out of these sports don't really have anyone um, kind of like your parents to push you and to make you Mm -hmm. tough it out. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's so good to hear. Um, And so I want to talk about how it felt when you made that 2020 Olympic team for Tokyo. Um, Mm -hmm. And what, what was your main goal going into Tokyo? What did you hope to accomplish? Mm -hmm. I think the main feeling I felt when I found out I got selected was just relief like a release of stress, like, okay, you finally made it. Like, this is what you've been working so hard for after this, like life is cruise sailing. Like you don't have to stress out about anything else. Cause this was the big ultimate goal. Right. Um, I think one of the things I noticed though, after that was like still mm-hmm. being nervous of, Oh, well now I have to make it on the plane and now I have to make it to the village. And now I have to make it through all the trainings before we actually play. And now I have to make it through the warm up. And now, okay, now I'm on the field. Now the ball's kicked. Okay, I'm an official. I'm officially Olympian. I can relax. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, so it was stressful for sure, but um, it was an amazing experience. Um, I think my goal going in was to really make my coach and my teammates proud. Cause I knew if I did that, then everybody else watching would be proud. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah, my coach, we butted heads a lot and he would get on my nerves and I'm sure I would get on his too, but deep down, <laughs> I always wanted to like make him feel like, okay, you know, she's doing what I knew she could do. And that, I think that was one of my main goals going out there. And I felt like I received that reassurement after so that was good for me. That's good. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about Tokyo a little bit more in a minute, but I also wanted to highlight um, that you are the all-time leading try scorer for the USA Women's Eagles team. So for those of you who don't know what rugby is or anything about rugby, can you explain a little bit about what a try scorer is and how difficult it was to accomplish this? Mm-hmm. So a try score 
basically in rugby, in order to get a point, you have to score a try. It's very similar to a touchdown where you run it into the end zone, but the difference is with rugby, with scoring a try, you have to actually touch the ball down. So that would be you scoring a try. And for me, in my position, being a wing, that's um, one of my main goals is to score as many tries as possible to help my team beat the other opposition. I got that title, the all-time try score, in maybe a year ago. And then, like, a couple weeks later, my teammate ended up beating me over for it. Her oh. name's Love Keltzer. Yeah, she's amazing. So right now, I'm second all-time try scorer. So once we get back into the tournament, um, I'll be looking forward to competing with her to try to get that spot back. Yeah, that's so But it fun. is a big accomplishment. Yeah, that's <laughs> Even amazing. Even second. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's so cool that, you know, you even have healthy competition within your own team of just trying to beat each other out. Um, that's what makes sports so fun is, you know, you're not even just competing against the other team, but even pushing your own teammates to accomplish other goals too. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit more about Tokyo. How is your Mm -hmm. overall experience, whether it was in the village or the food or um, even the level of competition? I mean, obviously, New Zealand won the gold um, and just being able to watch them was incredible, too. So talk to us a little bit about your Tokyo experience. Mm -hmm. Um, leading up to Tokyo, we were in a smaller city called Mimasaka to train before we could actually go into Tokyo. So I think that was a great start for us to where it was very calm. We were in our own bubble. We were around each other, each other, able to enjoy each other's presence. So I think that was a nice way to build connection going into Tokyo, knowing that it would be a stressful environment. Um, when we got to to Tokyo, I was super excited. Uh, I think for me... (laughs) loving to shop one of the main things I was looking forward to the most was being able to go through our suitcases and see all the gifts and things we got um when we first got to the rooms that's the first thing a lot of us did (laughs) and that was really fun to see all the amazing um gifts that we were given and to show our families all this cool stuff that we got obviously in hopes of sharing with them Mm -hmm. um So that was like the first amazing experience of it. And then just walking through the village and being able to see all the different buildings, the different flags, all the different people from all countries, and just realizing you're in an environment with the top athletes in the whole world, which is insane to think about um, being there the first time. Um, The food was amazing. I had tons of ramen. I love ramen. So they had that there. So I was really happy about that. I think another one of the fan favorites was the fried dumplings. I think that was like the longest line every day whenever (laughs) I was there. Um, The opening ceremony was a really cool experience for like the last 10 minutes of the whole five hours. Because I think a lot of it was very hot and sweaty and just sitting around waiting to actually get in there. But once you got in there, it was worth the wait. Would I go again? If I did go to the Olympics, I don't know. That's how hot, <laughs> that's how hot it was. <laughs> but it was really cool to be around like some of those top tier, high profile athletes. I think that was one of the most amazing experiences out of going to the opening ceremonies. 
um, as well as seeing the celebration inside. That was pretty cool. And um, being able to do that while my family and friends were watching, I think that was amazing. Um, and kind of after the opening ceremony, the next days were strictly business, um, waking up early for training, eating, sleeping, doing that over and over again until competition competition day came. And it was kind of the same situation as training of waking up extremely early, being at the stadium all day playing, um, doing that for three days. And then we ended up getting sixth. And obviously that's not what anybody will want going into the Olympics. We, our target was gold and we worked really hard. There were some things that we can improve on that I hope we're able to fix leading up to the next Olympics in Paris. Mm -hmm. But I was really proud of the team of dealing with all the adversity that came along with this Olympics, with it being in the pandemic and things kind of being in disarray at times. But us being able to push through that, I think that was an amazing thing for us. Um, being able to be with that group for the last time of it being that group was very special. Um, that last day, we spent time with each other and kind of reminisced, which was really nice. And then after that, I was pretty excited to head back home and kind of get out of the stressful environment and just relax and spend time with my family and friends. Uh, that's so fun. So how long were you there in total? I want to say, I think a week and a half. So maybe like 10 days or something. So a lot of what you just explained got bunched into 10 days, which is so yeah. crazy. Mm. Um and I want to talk about something at the opening ceremonies um, that we all were just so astonished by your guys's um, Ralph Lauren outfits. And mm-hmm. I'm so curious, um, you know, did you guys get fitted for these? Uh, I think people are like, I hope these athletes are framing these beautiful outfits. <laughs> they were so cool, so stylish or you know, how did you athletes feel about these outfits? Because I think that was a big topic of discussion on social media. Yeah. Um, so we actually were fitted for them. I think that was one of the second things we did the first day we got into the village was go and get fitted for our uniforms, which is pretty cool. It's, I think it's always nice to get fitted for something because you kind of know it's going to fit perfectly. Um The shoes were nice, Um, obviously not fit for the amount of time we were standing and waiting. So I, I, uh, they were okay. They were nice looking, but they weren't very comfortable. (laughs) Um, The jeans I thought were nice. Mm -hmm. At first, I didn't think they really went with the outfit. But after putting it all together, I was like, okay, it doesn't look too bad. Yeah, it looked good. Um, Yeah. And (laughs) the shirt I liked, the blazer was really nice. The necktie was okay. Sometimes it was in the way. So I think I lost mine because <laughs> it, it was falling off and everything. But I think we liked the outfit as a whole. It was very hot. Yeah. So I didn't think jeans and a polo, was, a polo jacket was the best idea. Right. Because it just made us even hotter. But again, we dealt with the adversity and everything that was going on. And it looked good on TV. So that was, I guess that's the most important thing. Yes, you all looked very good, very stylish. Thank you. Um, so what was your most proud moment at the Olympics? Whether, you know, that was a certain game, 
that you played well in or, you know, even just going to the Olympics or, you know, what was your biggest moment that you just really cherished in Tokyo? I, I want to say just being able to play mm-hmm. um, because I've, a lot of our family was in Orlando and able to watch us and cheer for us together. Um, so us being able to play together and then all family and friends being able to watch us together, it kind of felt like we was all together, even though we weren't. So um, I think the proudest moment was just playing in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of the outcome, whether we got first or last, I think the biggest thing was that we actually played in the Olympics. So that was a huge accomplishment for me and a huge accomplishment for my family and my friends to be able to say my daughter, my best friend, my sister is an Olympian. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. And you should be so proud of everything you've accomplished, especially even just making it to Tokyo during this insane time is just something to be so proud of. Yeah. Um, so I, yes. And so I know a lot of people are curious what, um, Olympic athletes do when they get home. Um, I know a lot of athletes took vacation right after, um, Mm -hmm. some went right home. So what did you do, um, right after, right after you finished with Tokyo? Um, as soon as I got back, I, spent some time with my boyfriend because I had been away from him for quite a while. So before I decided to go on any any girls trips, I thought it was important to come home and spend some time with him. Mm -hmm. So uh, I did that for about a week. And then I ended up going to New Orleans for a girls trip for a couple days for my birthday. Yeah, So that was nice. I celebrated my birthday. I think the next day I got back. So I was happy to be back in the U.S. for that. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I went to my hometown, Charlotte, North Carolina, and traveled a little bit in in terms of like going to Georgia to see my um, dad's side of the family, um, going to Chapel Hill to be in one of my best friend's weddings, and then just being back in Charlotte, spending time with my friends and family there. And then I just got back a couple of days ago. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. So now you need to chill for a little <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I've been doing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> um, okay, cool. So what can we expect now from you? You talked a little bit about Paris. Um, so tell us a little bit about what you're working towards and what your current goals are. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I'm looking to just get back into shape and get ready to play for the PR sevens league that's starting in the U S the first tournament will be in Memphis. So I'm looking to get prepared to be a part of that event as a player and as an ambassador. Um, After that, we're kind of going to get straight into our season. So I'm looking to be healthy and to be able to participate in all those games coming up this year, um, knowing that we missed a lot of them last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to go out there and put on the best performance that I as an individual player can do for my team so that we can all be great together. Um, and just kind of the big goal would be making it to the Sevens World Cup, um, making it to the Pan Ams event following that, and then Paris 2024 after that. 
Awesome. Well, I wish you the best of luck. I'm more than confident that you will make it. Um, You're phenomenal to watch and such a strong athlete. So I have no worries for you. Thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. And so I just want to close it out with a fun fact about you that I do with all of my guests. And so my question for you is, what was the best meal that you ate in Tokyo? (laughs) I think I might have already gave you that answer. Yeah, the best meal was probably the ramen for sure. Oh, amazing. Well, Naya, where can we find you on social media? Where can people look at what you're doing and what you're training for? Mm -hmm. Um, So I have my own website. It's nayatapper.com. On there, you can find more information about me and my journey. And also I have a merch section on there where you can check out some of my Naya on Fire merch and possibly purchase some of that. Um, I'm on YouTube at Naya Tapper, where I put up hot seat interviews of my teammates. And where I also do ab workouts and other funny things. And I have a lot of highlight videos on there if you don't know who I am and want to see who I am. Um, I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at Naya Tapper. So I'm very uh, socially active. So if you want to reach out and say hi, I'll be there. Awesome. Well, Naya, thank you so much. I am so excited to watch you in the future. Everyone go check out Naya. I have watched some of your YouTube videos. They are pretty funny. Um, (laughs) So thank you so much for speaking with me today and for sharing your experience um, in Tokyo, especially. It was great to hear. No problem. Thank you so much for giving me the platform and I hope your listeners enjoyed it. 